Thanks for tuning in to the Newborn Promise Podcast, a production of Graham Blanchard Incorporated. You are listening to an interview with Inez Jackson called Adoption After Infertility. For today's show notes, transcript, and more information about your Newborn Promise project, please visit GrahamBlanchard.com. Thank you so much for joining us again this week as we expand our conversation on infertility. Last week, co-author of Your Newborn Promise Project, Carissa Kolar, shared a deeply moving monologue on her struggle with infertility and the things God revealed to her during her time of waiting for children. While Carissa went on to have two biological sons through IVF, we know that this isn't the end to everyone's story. So today we wanted to share a recent interview with our friend Inez Jackson. Today, Inez has an 11-year-old son named Isaiah through adoption, and we think her story of surrendering her plan for God's plan is an inspiring example and shows us that in the end, family is just family. Inez, thank you so much for joining us today and being willing to share your story. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have Inez today because I do believe she's going to minister today on a topic that hits home for so many women, and it's a struggle that a lot of families struggle through silently, and that's the topic of miscarriage and infertility. But Inez, before we dive into that, would you mind telling us a little bit about how you met your husband, James? And how early in married life did you guys know that you wanted to have a family? Uh, my husband and I met through a mutual friend, uh, with someone that I went to high school with, my husband went to college with him, and then years later introduced us to one another. So we met over the telephone before even the internet dating was really big. So we met over the phone through a mutual friend that introduced us and was surprised I wasn't married yet and all these questions and wanted to wanted me to meet someone. So we first had a long distance relationship and then turned into marriage. And so we've been married for 18 years now. And I guess we knew we wanted to have a family all along, but not sure when we wanted to start it. So initially we got married late in life and we thought, oh, let's spend some time together before we have kids. Let's spend about five years together or so before we have kids. And when I talked to my OBG about that, she's like, oh, I don't know. I think you should start sooner than later because you're not getting any younger. <laughs> Just what you want to hear. And Inez, did you ever think outside of maybe the smaller comments that were made that you would have trouble with your pregnancies or have issues with infertility? My expectation was that when I got ready, I would be able to get pregnant with no problems at all. So when the comments came from my OBG, I thought, ah, she doesn't know my God. God can do this, that once we get ready, it's going to happen. God's going to bless us. We waited till the right time to have found the right person before, you know, having children. And there you go. So I, I was not worried, not one bit. I, that didn't even cross my mind that there would be a problem. And do you mind, Inez, sharing a little bit about some of the complications you did eventually have with your pregnancies? What did that look like in reality when you guys got ready to try? 
Well, when we got ready to try, you know, it just took longer than I thought it would, but still I wasn't worried. I wasn't really worried. And then got pregnant really pretty quick, I, I thought, you know, before a year, maybe within the first three to six months, got pregnant. I was very, very excited, thinking, yes, just what I thought God would do for us, bless us, or, you know, to start our family soon, because I wanted originally to have, like, three kids. So got pregnant, and then I think it was six or eight weeks later, went for the next checkup, and there was no heartbeat. So we were very disappointed, very sad, very discouraged, because I don't think I even knew of anybody that had a miscarriage, you know, lost the baby early on, but probably because people don't really talk about it. We didn't talk about it. We didn't tell anybody we were pregnant. We wanted to wait until that 12-week time or whatever it is when they say you should talk about it. And so we thought, okay, that's all right. We can do it again. And so that's what we did. Went through it. Had a little depression time and got over it and tried again right away. And then got pregnant again shortly thereafter. And this time went, I think, 11 weeks. We were like one week short of being able to tell people and went for the checkup, and after that, we were going to tell people, and again, there was no heartbeat. That was mm. very, very sad and even more discouraging the second time than the first time. I know that is just so hard, and I know that you've touched on there with some depression, but maybe for family or friends that are trying to support others going through a miscarriage, even spouses, can you describe some of the emotions that you were feeling um, I I felt alone and lonely, and yeah, that my husband really he didn't know what to do or what to say, and I don't think there was anything he could do or say to make me feel better about it. I just had to go through time alone and in prayer and just questioning God. You know, at this point, why, why, why? And the second time, it was just I don't know why worse than the first, but just so discouraging and. It felt so bad going through it. I, my prayer was that if I wasn't going to carry a pregnancy to term, that I didn't want to be pregnant again, to have another miscarriage. And so God answered that prayer because I didn't get pregnant again. But, but the, it was just so sad. It was as if it would have been full term of having the child. And so it just spent just a lot of time in prayer. A lot of time, that was it. Surrendering. And in prayer, just because I'm a very control person and thought I had it all under control and that I could control the situation. And it was something I couldn't control. So that was very, very sad. And I didn't talk to friends about it because I felt they wouldn't understand. And in retrospect, is that something you'd do differently? Or do you think that doing it alone with God at the time was the best decision for you? In retrospect, I think it was good doing it alone with God because it brought me closer to him and I could hear him more. But at the same time, I think it's good to, there should be support groups for people to talk to. I don't think there's anything or there wasn't at the time anybody to talk to about or support group, someone to call or ask questions of, somewhere to go, someone who's been through it before. Only someone that's been through infertility or really miscarriages, no matter at what point, even if it's four weeks, six weeks, 11 weeks, can know what you're going through and can talk to you and can speak to your life. Otherwise, I would have felt like they don't really understand. They don't understand what I'm going through. But if you have, then they can sympathize and they know exactly what you're going through and exactly what to say. And a lot of times there's nothing to say. Just be there and listen. 
It is a really hard time, and you've touched a lot on prayer, which I love, and it seemed to be such a life support for you during that time. What are some things that you were praying, and what were some things that God spoke to your heart? One of the things that really stands out is after the second miscarriage and more time went by of, you know, trying and waiting, I was just getting so discouraged, and I just cried out to God saying, I have done everything I know what to do, everything I know how to do. I don't know what to do. Help me. And he said to me, okay, now I can step in and help. Now that you're done doing your part, trying to be God in your life, let me be God. Let me help you, support you, carry you. And so that was very helpful for me to just keep letting it go, letting it go, letting it go, because I was trying to control the situation and make it happen, make it happen. And I just had to keep remembering what God said, let it go, let me, let go and let God. So I just kept coming back to that, kept coming back to that. And it just brought me close to him because I constantly had to call on him and let him and rely on him. Mm, And I know there was a point where the reality of not having a biological baby really set in. And once that was real... What were you going through emotionally and spiritually, and what were some of the things that you had to work through? Well, I uh, all along, I always thought I would adopt a child, but I thought it would be after I birthed a child, and when I realized that wasn't going to happen, I was okay. I'm like, okay, I'm going to adopt a child first, and then God will bless me to birth a child, because they say, oh, if you're trying really hard and if you have anxiety, uh, it it will happen after or once you relax and let it go. So I thought it would happen. But one thing I had to do was my one of my major prayers was to have God or I asked God to change my heart because I was really now set on birthing a child. And then I was I had to pray and surrender. Okay, Lord, if this is not what you want for me, you're going to have to change my heart to let that go and go down a different road. And so, and so I, I believe he did, because once I let that go and I went down the adoption road, then, then I was running down that road trying to control everything. So again, staying close to God and remembering, it's not me. It's not me. I'm not in control. So just continuing to surrender. But yeah, I had to have a lot of prayer about God changing my heart. And how did God begin to speak to you specifically about adoption? How did you know that might be the right path for you? Well, for one, I, for my husband and I, I knew that we both had our hearts were big enough to accept a child into our lives that we did not birth. Because my husband, he is very active in ministries that have to do with youth at his church. He was like the youth director and he takes kids under his wings and acts as kind of like a big brother, you know, person or a stand-in male figure in a boy's life or something like that. So I knew he could do it. And I, I knew I could do it because we were both older in life and and we, you know, take on other or additional responsibilities with helping nieces and nephews and just loving and giving. So I don't think that was that was going to be a hard part. I just, um, I think it just took time to let go because even when we were going through adoption process, I was still hopeful that I might get pregnant still. And I just never really let it go, but I wasn't focusing on that. So I just think over time, it just melted 
away. It wasn't one thing in particular. And other than prayer, were there other resources or people or things along your journey that helped you heal and embrace this unexpected path that God had for you? Yes, I think so. I just, just in talking to people, then after some time, I was ready to share with some people. And in thinking back, I realized that it wasn't people I was really close to. It was people I didn't know very well or had known for a short amount of time. Just in conversation, finding out that they had adopted children or they were having infertility problems. And then I was able to share my journey. So it was very helpful just talking and sharing with other people. Initially, I was keeping it all in and keeping it to myself or with my husband and I and not talking to other people. I think once I started sharing with safe people who were in the same place I was in, then it became easier to accept and I was finding more joy in the possibility of this being a reality that I was going to be able to parent. When I realized that we were not going to be able to birth a child, then I thought, okay, I'm not going to be able to birth a child. What do I really want? What I really wanted was to experience the miracle of a child, another person, something growing inside of me that was going to come to life and participate in that experience with God and the miracle of birth. That's what I really wanted. Not necessarily to have a child. So it, and thinking about all this, and I knew I wasn't going to birth a child, I'm like, okay, now what? And I thought, okay, I really do want to just be pregnant and birth a child, not necessarily have the baby after the fact. And so I thought, okay, I'm fine. We're not going to go down. We're not going to have any children. We're going to be just the two of us. We'll be a family. And I lived with that for, I don't know, a week, a month. I don't really remember. And I thought, that's not really it. I do want a baby. I do want to be a mom. I do want to parent a child. And so then I'm like, okay, now what? And then that's when we started thinking about the adoption path. Because at first I was just going to let it go. And we were not going to be parents. But and then when I realized that, I'm like, oh, I do want to be a mom. My husband and I, we want to, you know, impart to someone else, grow a person. And just the joy that comes into and that they bring into your life or that it seems like they bring into people's lives. And then there's the heartache, too, that can possibly come. But um, that was one of the way, reasons that we kind of went. But it, for a time, we were going to let it go and just not have child. I think that's really profound because you obviously did a lot of heart searching as to what your desires really were. But even as you approached adoption, did you and your husband have any specific fears or hesitations up front? I don't think I did, but my husband did. He was not totally on board at first. He was like, I don't know if this is what God wants us to do. You know, we're not able to get pregnant, carry a pregnancy to delivery to term then maybe this is God's will for us, God's plan. Maybe we shouldn't go down adoption path. And then he brought up the Ishmael-Isaac deal. What if we have an Ishmael? What if all these things happen? What if, what if? And I'm like, oh, no, I don't think that's what God's going to do. I think this is what God wants us to do. God has put this in my heart. I really want to be a parent. And so he had to wrestle with that for a while. And Meanwhile, the control person that I am, I'm going down the adoption road now and not really discussing it with him. I'm like, okay, Lord, you've got to put in his heart what you've put in my heart. We need to be on the same road. And God did that. So I, I didn't really talk to him about it much because I was now determined that I wanted to be a mom. And I didn't want him to take that away from me. And I felt like that's what God put in my heart. 
So I'm like, okay, Lord, you've got to get us on the same page. And how did God help you guys get on the same page and overcome those fears and move from a no to a yes when it came to this adoption? I think talking to other, talking to people about their experience with adoption and and just so that and so that he could know that we have kind of a say in the process or in once you do all the home study and all that stuff, then you have a say like a boy or girl or even if there were some. <clears throat> I don't know, a problem, uh, maybe the mother had some issues or something. You could say that you didn't want to accept a child from maybe a drug-addicted mom or parent or something like that. So he was just concerned about all the health issues you can have initially. I don't think necessarily down the road of what can come, you know, with a child that wasn't biologically yours. I think it was initially. So you can say what you want or what you don't want or if you want it open or closed and just all of these things, what kind of contact you want to have. So I think all of those things helped him, just more knowledge of the process and the end process with adoption helped him. And you know, you bring up a great point that there are so many options. How did you know what adoption path was right for you and how did God confirm that for you? Just did, I think, time as time went by we uh figured it out what we want what we didn't want during the adoption process there there were a lot of home studies and you can't do it quickly i wanted to just do okay let's have a meeting every week and be done with it i think we had to have six or 12 i really don't remember the number of meetings with an outside person coming in to talk to us together us alone and I wanted to go boom, boom, boom. And they're like, no, you can't do that. we got to do a meeting and wait two or three weeks. And we have this meeting and got to wait a few more weeks. So that took like a whole six months or more. And they space it out like that on purpose, I guess, so you can mull it over, think about it all, and be sure of what you're doing. And so I think that time helped us figure it out and get on the same page. Because you can still be going through that process and change your mind or change what you want. So just talking to people and having knowledge. And you know, that brings up another great point about waiting. And I know that the waiting period can be very hard, almost like a long spiritual pregnancy. Uh, Tell me about that waiting period for you and some of the hardships that came with waiting. So we did the home study and say we're done in like August or something, but my husband didn't want to have placement until like October because of his work schedule and some trips and some other stuff. And I'm like, okay, fine, we can do that. We'll, we'll wait and have placement. We don't want anybody to choose us or let possible birth mothers know that we are not available for placement till October. And then it became, and so I figured we'd be chosen right away because we're such a great pick. Um, then it's November, December, January, February. It was just forever. It was hard, hard, hard waiting. Again, I think there needs to be a support group for that wait time because it's hard and very impatient. I was calling the adoption agency kind of on a regular basis after October. What's wrong? What's going on? Do I need to change my letter? Do we need to change pictures? Do we need to do this? Do we need to do that? Because I'm sure there are lots of babies out there. Why aren't we being chosen? So it was very, very hard. My husband said I was like a dog with a bone. I just wouldn't let it go, wouldn't let it go. I was all over it. And um, I think I was starting to get depressed during that wait time because it was very frustrating to have to wait and wait 
So, again, during that time, it just brought me closer to God because who can I talk to? Everybody's telling me, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. They're going to choose you. Just be patient. And that's not what you want to hear. But somebody else going through it would have something different to say, you know, just agree with you in the way. And you can just wait together and laugh about it and cry about it. Um, another thing that helped me in the wait process, I talked to our um, one of our pastors at church. She was over their children's ministry, and I don't know how we got to this conversation, but anyway, I was a volunteer in the children's ministry, and I think she probably asked me how I was doing, and, you know, I was at a weak place. I started crying, and she's like, ooh, come here, come here, and so I told her where we were and what was going on, and we were just waiting and waiting, and I didn't know what to do during this wait time. It was taking forever, and I just wanted to do something. And she said um, this that was really good, and I shared it with other moms, uh, adoptive moms in waiting. Um, she said that I could, she said, you should start praying right now for the birth mother. She's probably pregnant right now, and if she's not, she's going to be pregnant soon. So pray for her. God already has her lined up. Nobody is going to get your baby, the God, the baby, the child God has for you. So start pr- praying for that birth mother right now. Pray that she takes care of herself, that she takes her vitamins, that the baby grows properly. Pray for the baby. The baby is, if not conceived yet, will be conceived soon. So start praying for your baby that he's going to be healthy or the child. We didn't know we were open to boy or girl. The child will be healthy and just all these things about the child in the future. So that was very helpful for me. It gave me something to do. And I was praying for my baby and praying for the birth mother and the birth father. Just pray for the whole situation, everything concerned, extended family along those lines, that that she will be supported and encouraged in her adoption plan and everything she wanted to do and that her mind would be right because all this stuff was going to the baby. So that was very helpful. So that's another suggestion I give to people all the time when they're in a wait, waiting place. Mm, I love that. And it seems like it makes the waiting much more active instead of passive which I'm sure helps so much. But God did eventually answer that prayer for you to be a mom. Tell me about that. My son is Isaiah, and that was 11 years ago, so 11 and a half years ago. So, and then, so after the fact, once we were chosen, once we brought Isaiah home, it was like, I don't know, a year or more later, and I talked to someone else, and they were asking about it, and then I was like, it didn't seem that bad or it didn't seem like that much time had gone by, you know, in the wait and that depression and the agony of the wait. It just seemed like, I don't know, it wasn't that big of a deal. When at the time when I was in it, though, it was. But once I'm on the other side, once I have, once you have the baby, then it was all worth it. <laughs> that is so wonderful. But I do know at the very beginning of that ad- adoption, there were probably some very hard emotions to work through. Tell me about some things you had to process as a new adoptive parent. Emotionally, it was, so we went, we weren't at the hospital for his birth, but we did meet his birth mother like a month before he was born. And then she called us when she was at the hospital and in labor. And just a little backup from that, about a month before Isaiah was born, we got a call for a different child. And uh, we were preparing to go get the baby from the hospital. She was already in the hospital. The baby was born. And we were preparing to go. We had gotten some things. We were going to stop at Toys R Us, get the car seat, and then go right to the hospital, get the baby. An hour before we were leaving to go 
get the car seat, we got a call from our adoption agency saying that birth mother had changed her mind and we did not have a baby to pick up. Meanwhile, family members had given us, it was a girl, had given us pink things. I had washed things, folded, was getting the bag ready. And so that was bad. That was heart-wrenching. That was hard to go through. Just the that she changed her mind, and that's her prerogative. She can change her mind. So then now up to Isaiah, when we got the call for Isaiah from his first mother, we went to meet her. Then she wanted to know if we want to be at the hospital, and it would have been wonderful. But since we had just had that bad experience, we said, no, we do not want to be at the hospital. We still want to go through with the adoption, but we want you to have an opportunity to change your mind without us there. And so if you do change your mind, we don't want to be there. We don't want to leave you in the hospital without the baby. So she understood that. She called us from the hospital. She's in labor. And we said, okay, after the baby's born, you still want to do this, call us and we will be there. She called us and we were there. And so then it was like they were, it was a day in the hospital. We visited with her and held him. And still we know that she has a chance to change her mind. And so it was still like you don't want to really attach. You're hoping she doesn't, and your emotions are everywhere. And then when she did do it, she decided, yes, I want to do this. I still want to do it. They gave us the baby. We left the hospital with Isaiah. It was mixed emotions, really. I was happy and excited, elated, but so sad for her, for the birth mother, because it was a hard thing for her to do. So, Inez, what were some things that really helped you work through those hard emotions? It's an open adoption. So we had her contact information. She had our contact information. She knew she could call us at any time. And we welcomed her to call whenever she wanted, as often as she wanted, we could call her. And so she didn't call very often. Maybe, I don't know if it was weekly or monthly. And then it became like holidays and that kind of thing. And But we did talk to her and, you know, telling her about him and what was going on. We sent pictures. I took lots of pictures. We sent her the pictures. So she felt a part of it and on board and that her firstborn child was being taken well taken care of. So she didn't have worries or anxieties. And it's like I wanted her to be proud of us, proud of him, proud of the decision that she made and not regret it. And so I think that helped with adoption. And she was proud. She didn't have any regrets ever. It was a good relationship. That's so wonderful. And going back to the infertility issue, I'm thinking about women and even husbands that are listening. What would you say to them now that you are on this side of your story and God has built your family in the way he has? What words of encouragement would you have for them today? Probably. I remember when I was going through it, probably after the second miscarriage, I was so sad and my husband knew I was sad and could see I was sad and there was nothing he could do and he asked would would I ever be happy again and I'm like I don't know and so probably just time because nothing anybody can say or do is going to help you just need time even if it's quiet time silent time time with God another thing I did was in the prayer I just needed some scriptures I needed some words some quick go-to stuff I made a list of all kinds of scriptures, every scripture I can find um, on, you know, God's promises regarding children and birth and barren women and just God's promises. And 
I was memorizing scriptures and writing them down, just my go-to stuff, just something to hold on to because it's a, it's a hard time. I don't, I don't know of anything else. It'd be great if you have a, a friend who's been through it, who can hold your hand through it. You don't need a lot of people or a lot of anything. Just um, knowing that God is there and it's going to get you through. That's what helped me. And you mentioned those scriptures. Do you mind sharing with me some that were encouraging to you during that time? Probably one, and it's not necessarily, they're not always barren in the fertility ones, but my mind was kind of running away with me. I would have these negative thoughts, and I didn't want to have the negative thoughts, you know, that it's not going to happen, and things you hear people say, and it would seem to be in the news all the time about miscarriages and infertility, and it was just on my mind, even though I didn't want to think about it. So one scripture, which I use a lot even now about all kinds of things, trying to control my mind. I think it's uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, around about there, about casting down imaginations and every high thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So just trying to bring my thoughts captive, line them up with the word, not let them run away with me and somewhere else in some article, news article or conversations people are having, just trying to control my thoughts, control my thoughts. Line them up with the word of God. What does God say? That is so powerful and so important. And maybe someone is listening in and they are considering adoption. How would you encourage them with your story and your decision to adopt? I would encourage them to, even if they're just thinking about it and not positive, sure, still look into it, get information, because I think that's what helped my husband to get on board is to get the information just because you're getting information, looking into it, you're not committed and it's a long process. So it's still, you're not committed. You can change your mind at any time. And so I would encourage people to look into it and it's very fulfilling. I oftentimes forget that my son is adopted. It doesn't even come to mind. It's, I don't know, so far back, people have to remind me or something. I just forget. And so it's been a wonderful experience. I highly, highly recommend it. And tell me a little bit more about Isaiah today and the joy of being his mom. God really did answer that prayer for you to be a parent. Well, Isaiah is 11 years old, and he is so sweet. He is so loving and giving. He has a, uh, a great, uh, I think, spiritual foundation. So I'm very happy about that. It's open adoption. He knows about his birth mother, and they have conversations. We've seen her. We've visited with her. They've got pictures together, and he knows we can call her anytime he wants to call or talk to her. Initially, he was very excited and anxious and wanted to have lots of communication with her, and now not so much, and that's okay. It's whatever he wants to do, and it's his story. We're not sharing his story with everybody. If he shares his story first, then we can add into it and share, and he's not embarrassed or ashamed about it. He'll talk to anybody about it. And you know, this is a funny part of it, Isaiah, because we have other adopted friends because they have, you have to do a lot of classes, so you meet people. As you're going through the adoption process, you meet other people who are the same place that you are. So one of his, well, he knows a lot of adopted people because we do, we were in the process. And then once he started school and he realized everybody was not adopted, he felt sorry for them. Well, how come nobody adopted them? Why aren't they adopted? <laughs> he thought that was the good thing and the right thing that everybody's adopted. He realized everybody's not. He's like, oh, wow, why not? 
I love that. And I think it shows that you guys are doing something so right. And that family really is just family. Just to close out our time, um, what would you say to God's faithfulness, even in the midst of having that infertility journey? I would answer that, yes, God is still good. God is still good and that he has a plan. We just have to let him work out his plan and not try to make it our plan, which is what I was trying to do, trying to make it my thing and make it exactly how I wanted it and how I thought. And once I took God out of the box and let him do his thing, it it was perfect. This is what God had planned for me. When I was asking God, why, why, why can't I, you know, have a pregnancy and carry it through? Why am I not birthing a child? And this came to my spirit that I don't know why. God may not tell me why. Now on this side, when I get to the other side, it won't matter. But God has a reason why. So I need to trust that he knows what's best. So whatever it is, God knows what's best. And I need to trust him with that and and go with it. Well, we hope today's interview has ministered to you deeply and brought you closer to the heart of Jesus and encouraged you wherever you may be in your journey. Please join us again next week on the Newborn Promise podcast. And remember, you can get today's show notes, transcript, and more information about your Newborn Promise project at GrahamBlanchard.com.